are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the third and final hour of Miller and Moulton in Lake City and surrounding areas, Tampa, St. Pete, Fort Charlotte to Venice, halfway home for those in the 239. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. A longtime friend and contributor to the show. He's also a contributor to the Golf Channel. That he puts on the resume. No one has covered golf as long and as well as Ron Syrak, and he's still doing it, ronsyrak.com, S-I-R-A-K, Follow him on Twitter at the aforementioned Ron Syrak. Ron, it's David and Mark. How are you? Well, that was a great intro. It was such a great intro. Man, I nailed that intro. You did. It was really solid. The problem is that uh, we have Cole filling in for Philly. He got through our first call in perfect form. Right. And uh, this one, now I think we got Ron, you there? No, apparently not. Bummer. Tigers playing at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Obviously West Coast, so nobody's teed it up yet. But we'll at least get Tiger today and tomorrow. His first action since the Open Championship back at St. Andrews in July. And so we're all looking forward to that. Also, it's a great field. And then after this, we'll see uh, pretty much who's going to make the, who's going to play in the Florida events, not name the players. I mean, that'll be the next great question in golf. Who's going to play where in Florida outside of the TPC? Well, and Arnie's an elevated event. They bumped the pay up in that, so that should get a really good field. Well, and you and I have felt that they had to because last year's field, it was the first tournament that we kind of looked at one another and went, uh, some guys are starting not to show up for this. You know, and it's, few- it's because it's another difficult course. They didn't like playing. Ron, do we have you? Apparently not. Oh, well. We'll try to reschedule Ron maybe for another day. But we mentioned it earlier in the show. First off, the Netflix docuseries dropped yesterday. And I've seen mixed reviews. Like, we've got a couple of people in our Twitch chat room who have watched multiple episodes, and they've loved it. And we've seen some golf people who are lukewarm on it so far. All right, we'll try one more time. Ron Syrak, ronsyrak.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ron Syrak, S-I-R-A-K. Ron, it's David and Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Well, it's great to be able to talk. Yes, we can. And we got about 10 minutes and we want to cover some ground here. First off, we'll get to Tiger in a moment. But the talk that the tour is really debating amongst themselves as to how they're going to go forward and what the tour is looking like. Rory's comments yesterday that he wants the tour to market itself a la the NBA. Uh, That's not how the PGA Tour has done things, Ron. No, you know, uh, it's one of the interesting things that the whole live golf phenomenon has brought up is that part of the appeal uh, to sports fans about golf is that whole thing of if you don't make the cut, uh, you don't get a paycheck. You know, in, in this era of of uh, uh, athletes and team sports signing long-term guaranteed multi-year contracts, and then they go out and they don't play well, but they still get paid. People love that that aspect of golf, and 
and it seems like um, we're, we're sort of nudging in the other direction. And as long as I've been around golf, which is a very, very long time, there's always been a group of the players at the top who thought that the tour should be more top-focused. You know, that they, they were always, there's always been a movement towards um, smaller fields and so more money to be shared among a smaller number of players. It'll be interesting to see how the, how the tour goes in this direction. And the other side of this, Ron, is that, you know, we had the, the kid from Canada who had the great tournament and, and finished at T2 or finished in second, made a couple million dollars. It seems as what they're trying to do is really push the lower players out. Is there going to be an avenue for guys to advance with what they're trying to do with this tour? Yeah, you know, that's my ultimate problem with, with the whole live golf uh, model in there, only 48 players. Um, um, you need to have that opportunity for somebody like a Cameron Young who was on nobody's radar screen last year at this time to emerge on the tour and, and to show that what he can do. And that is, that's an appealing thing. I, I, I like the 156 player fields. You know, I, I, I hope that the, I like the Monday qualifiers. I like that there's a path for, for new blood to come in because that's, you want those stories to come out of nowhere. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, if you if you move towards smaller fields, uh, you're going to be closing that door to a lot of talent. Ron, do you think the tour's already made a mistake? You know, by having the elevated events, that's the first step in going to where it is. Clearly, Rory and some others want to go. I mean, we've already seen it, Ron. The Pebble Beach field was awful, and and yeah, we you know, fear that we're going to have eight or ten more tournaments with fields like that. There's sort of always been tiers of tournaments out there, and the PGA Tour, there was not. When Tim Pension was commissioner, I, I knew I could get under his skin if I referred to a tournament as a second-tier event, you know, because he, he refused to acknowledge. But there always was. I mean, the John Deere Classics don't get the same field that Jack Nicholas's Memorial gets or Arnold Palmer's uh, uh, Bay Hill gets. So it's always been out there. But now with these, with these designated events, I mean, look, here's how it pays off. This week at Riviera... They have 23 of the top 25 in the world playing in the same tournament. They had a similar number last week in Phoenix, but they, you know, and they have a $20 million purse. First prize is going to be $3.6 million this week. Uh, that, that, that's a lot of money. So what they have done is, is, is sort of formalize what was already there, which is, uh, we've got, a, we've got some events. We've got a handful of events, maybe 10 or 12 that are more special than the other tournaments. These are the ones that the big names are going to play. These 10 tournaments plus the majors. Rory's been incredibly outspoken. Is it to the point where it has hurt any of his popularity at all, or is Rory still not just on top of the golf world, but on top of the popularity aspect of it as well? I think he's still really popular. I, you know, it's, it's from my monitoring of social media, it is the whole live golf thing has, has like many things in our society has broken into you're either in the camp or you're not in the camp. Those people who don't like Rory are, are, are you know, are, are going to continue to not like him. Those people who do like him are going to continue to like him. He is a very, uh, I remember when he won his first U S open, I, I wrote, you know, it's as if the kid who cut your grass on Saturday uh, won the U S open, you know, he's got that sort of uh, air to him. Uh, you know, the key is going to be uh, how he performs on the golf course. I don't think uh, – I've been surprised in what how much of an activist he's been in, uh, as, in, as a defender of the PGA Tour. Um, and I'm, I'm expecting him to have uh, a big year this year. I, I think the, that lived, the live golfing 
has recharged his batteries. Uh, I think he's playing with a passion that he hasn't played with for a long time. And, boy, it's been nine years since he won a major championship. When he won two in 2014. He's Ron Syrak. He covers golf for a living. RonSyrak.com, S-I-R-A-K. That's how you also follow him on Twitter. He's a contributor to the Golf Channel, and he's been kind enough over the years to make many an appearance here on Miller and Moulton. All right, about four minutes left. Tiger. A uh, little surprise. We thought we might only see him play the majors the rest of his career. Maybe the players or Bay Hill, but he shows up at the Genesis. We know he's the tournament host. You know, Hogan played anywhere from two to six events, Ron, as you well know, the last part of his career. I mean, how many times do you think we're going to see Tiger? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to be uh, – it, it's funny because Riviera's a golf course that Tiger used to, used to avoid playing because he never played it particularly well. But uh, as you said, he is the host of this event. Uh, he got uh, – he's getting a, a break today in that um, it's very, very cold there in the morning. It's about 40 degrees. But he's got a noon tea time. He's playing with two of his friends, Justin Thomas and Rory, and uh, and, and – and and it's a relatively easy golf. The, the worst hills at Riviera is getting from the first tee down to the first fairway and getting from the 18th green back up to the clubhouse. Otherwise, in between, it's a it's pretty it's a pretty benign walk for him. Um, I think this is you know he realizes that to get ready for the Masters, he's going to have to uh, play a couple of events. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer. Golf's like every other game, man. You don't get your game legs uh, on the practice field. You only get your game legs in a game situation, and I, I think that's what he's trying to do. What are your expectations for him this week? I, you know, uh, to me, if he makes the cut, it's an accomplishment. What are you looking at, Ron? You know, it's funny. Here's a guy who made 144 consecutive cuts in the PGA Tour, and the odds right now are plus 150 for him making the cut. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I would I would think if he does make the cut. That would be that would be a heck of an accomplishment for him. Uh, you know, he's he's got battered legs. He was limping by the end of his practice round yesterday. He only played 16 holes, and uh, so I, I think that uh, if he makes a cut, that would be that would be an, uh, a real accomplishment. You know, that said, he's Tiger Woods. So, uh, um, and we saw it last year where he would put all of his energy into those first 36 holes and make the cut and then fade on the weekend because he just he couldn't sustain the energy for four straight days. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that again. Ron, there was a, a photo that got a lot of attention yesterday. Uh, it was Tiger, and it was uh, the commissioner, Jay Monahan, uh, walking off the tee side by side together. They had jackets on. It was the morning. It was cool. Uh, Ron, who's the real commissioner? <laughs> well, you know, the, the commissioner, every commissioner always tells you that they work for the players. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think that that, that circle of pl players that they work for has gotten smaller and smaller right now. Look, for Jay, Jay Monahan's big, big strong point that he's got going right now is that Cameron Smith aside, nobody in the top 20, top 25 in the world rankings uh, has abandoned the tour. So that that's he's got those are the people he's got to keep happy. He's got to keep he's got to keep uh, Rory happy and Justin Thomas and and Spieth and and Shoutley and uh, and Scheffler and and all those guys uh, on board and not jump and then and he'll be just fine. Tiger is has a lot of influence in in where this goes and and uh, I think that uh, 
um, um, Jay's picking his brain and giving him a pep talk. Or he's taking instructions, one or the other. We'll see. <laughs> he's Ron well, Syrak. Yeah. He contributes to the Golf Channel, and he writes uh, about all the tours at ronsyrak.com, S-I-R-A-K. Follow him on Twitter at Ron Syrak. Ron, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll do it again before the Masters. Talk to you down the road, my friends. Ron Syrak, kind enough to join us once again here on Miller & Moulton. Well, I didn't see or hear that yesterday. I didn't realize Tiger was limping at the end of the practice round yesterday. That's not good. No, it really isn't. Three o'clock Eastern with Rory. Wonderful <laughs> seeing you that today. <laughs> Wonder if we'll see anything else. Uh, Tiger, Rory, and JT, Miller and Moulton of Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. You miss any part of the show, like Ian Cummings last hour, ProFootballNetwork.com. He's one of their draft analysts. Or we just had ten minutes with Ron Syrak talking golf. Download our podcast, which usually get posted after every hour of the show at floridasportsnetwork.com. Maybe a little later this week, okay? But just anyway, if you miss it, you know, floridasportsnetwork.com, download what you missed. It'll get there eventually this week. Right. That's what we're saying. You know, that's all. Cole filling in today. You know, back with Raj tomorrow. You know. It's nice and cold to come in. I mean, think about it. getting up at the hour he had to get up at to come in, do one show. And let me tell you, the big bucks that we offer, too. Right. Ooh. Problem is, I'm staring. When I stare through the glass, he's a Michigan fan, and he proceeded to wear a Michigan shirt today. So every mm. time I look over, I see that damn block M. <laughs> do you think Cole's aware that you're a Spartan? Oh, no, he knows. Oh, okay. That was actually the reason I wore it. <laughs> I have to admit, he could have shown a little sympathy this week of all weeks. Could have, could have, could have, yeah. you know. Might have, might have thought about that, but nope. Nope, just nope. kick a man. That's nope. all right. Little brother, little brother's always little brother, I guess. Okay. All right. Hey, um, did you see that the charges against former Texas men's basketball coach Chris Beard got dropped? I did see that. Mm-hmm. Now, he's already been fired, though, by Texas. And Texas came out and said, without the arrest, and said there was enough that they had to fire him on cause, that they felt. Good luck. Right. Right. That lawsuit will be coming. No doubt about it. No doubt. So, you know, we'll let Texas and Chris Beard's attorneys, you know, figure out. And, you know, I, I think we all think there'll be a settlement of some kind. He'll get a few million. That's how it works. Goodness knows Texas has the money and they're going to get more. But here's the question, Mark. Would you hire him? I wouldn't. Why? Well, the DA's office said, according to a reported statement, after a careful and thoughtful review of the evidence, recent public statements, and considering Miss True's wishes, our office has determined that the felony offense cannot be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. The, the lead witness is the woman that his fiance. She's not going to testify. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Right. She also released conflicting public statements. Now, you know me. I mean, I obviously can't hire him. And this is the biggest ethical, moral dilemma that I have in sports slash life. You know, 25, 30 years ago when it was not popular, which is amazing to actually say out loud, but it was true, to take the stand that if anybody ever got pulled over, all right, and was detained even for any sort of violence against women or children, they were done with me. I, they were untouchable to me. Don't care who they were. All right. Now that's becoming a more popular stance to have. But I'm also a second chance guy, especially when charges get dropped. Not just, you know, Mike Vick did his time in federal prison. Okay. And then Andy Reid and the Eagles and then other teams employed him. Well, he did his time. There's that second chance. There's the second chance of you get charged, but the charges go away. So, I mean, you've got nothing on your record. I understand. But the reason there's not charges is that she decided not to pursue them. Well, that's your conclusion. Now, the DA mentioned it as one of the reasons. Okay. But that's your conclusion. And I guess I'm of the opinion that if I'm hired, I can find somebody equally as good who doesn't have the baggage that I'm going to have to deal with as a university when I hire this guy. All right. Now, let me just push you on that. That's fine. You, sh- you sure you can find somebody as good as Chris Beard? Yes. I mean. No, I, I can. I know he's a really good coach. Yes, I can. I, I, okay. I This is where you and I differ on coaching. I think it can be done. I, I <laughs> I actually think you can you can work hard enough to find a qualified coach. Now, you'd have to acknowledge, though, that in the coaching fraternity, he's regarded as a top 20 coach. Uh, if you were to ask coaches who are the best coaches out there, his name comes up. In fact, I'm being conservative. He'd make Many coaches shortlist the way they always thought Tony Bennett at Virginia, you know, basically if the talent was even give me Tony Bennett. Okay. There's quite a few guys in the industry that think, you know, the talent's even, you know, it's how I've always felt about Rick Pitino. I have the talents, even give me Rick Pitino. You could have John Wood and I don't care. I'm taking Pitino. It's Molten's IROC series of college basketball. Totally. Absolutely. So, but who's the AD slash university president and at what level? Because you know he's going to get a job. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you're Georgetown, I mean, Patrick Ewing's probably getting fired. I hope so. I mean, no, I I really wish it would have worked for him. I feel badly. But this is a disaster of what's going on at Georgetown. If you're Georgia Tech. I mean, our guy, Josh Pashner, whom we love, uh, I don't know if he can survive this. I mean, third to last in the ACC, three conference wins. In a bad ACC. Yeah. This is problematic. Now, see, everybody's all over Chris Holtman in Ohio State. It's the first bad year of his career. Okay, lighten up, for goodness sakes. Honestly, it's a bad year. Deal with it. You know, the guy, 
the coach at Ole Miss is going to lose his job. A good guy, okay, you know, got promoted from Middle Tennessee State. He hasn't done anything. Now, you're on to something with an Ole Miss, with a Georgia, with a school that doesn't really care about basketball the way they care about football. If it's a Power well, 5 school, that that's... Well, he was at Texas. <laughs> Um, you know, I've been saying this is a, a year of Brian Gregory at South Florida. You know, now he had a nice win last night, 26-point win on the road in conference. Granted, Tulsa's not that good this year, but still. He went by 27 on the road. You know, I mean, I think Brian Gregory has to have a strong finish to save his job, but I've been saying all year that he's, to me, he's been on the hot seat from before the season started. Your South Florida, your Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, Georgetown. I mean, we all know the grease fire that's New Mexico State. Okay. They're obviously going to have to start from scratch next year. Just curious, if you're any of these schools. I wouldn't do it. I think I can hire a quality coach that I don't have to look at alumni, my wife, anyone else, and say that I hired this guy. But you're right, David. He will have a job. But if we had 353 athletic directors that were Mark Miller and David Moulton, he'd be unemployed. But we don't. That's for certain. I think you touched on something. I think Ole Miss could be... That I could see that happening. I could too. Because they want to start winning, and Chris Beard does win. He gets players, and he coaches them. I mean, he lost the national championship game at Texas Tech in overtime. Texas Tech. And he had Texas top 10 in the country in two years. Miller and Moulton. We have a poll question. We will get to that on the other side. Run down some of the big events of the day. In the bonus hour coming up in 30 minutes, for those of you that don't hear it, you might want to tune in. Carl Semesco, the women's basketball coach at Florida Gulf Coast University, their top 25 in the country. He will join us in the bonus hour. That coming up in 30 minutes right here on Miller and Moulton. Thanks so much for listening on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes until the top of the hour. Our final segment of Miller and Moulton for those in Lake City and surrounding areas: Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte, to Venice. The bonus hour begins at the top of the hour in the two-three-nine with FGCU women's coach Carl Semesco. The Eagles back nationally ranked they've got a first place battle tonight in fact at home we'll talk to him about his team in the game coming up at the top of the hour you know mark we had to go right into an interview with ron syrak talking golf after we did our segment with ian cummings of pro football network last hour but ian cummings did say out loud i mean we have it on tape yep 
that right now he is leaning towards taking Anthony Richardson as the first quarterback in the draft. Potential, David. That's all this is on. Could you just say that again? Potential. (laughs) I understand. But that's it. I mean, what else could it be on? Well, it, it's they're looking at him thinking that this is Josh Allen reincarnated is what they're doing. And if we go back to that draft class, you know, Baker went one and, you know, Darnold went three. Rosen went 10. Lamar went at the end of the round. But who went seven? Josh Allen. And of the four guys taken in the top 10, and what are we thinking? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. Anthony Richardson, okay? And if all four of them are going to go in the top 10, which is what people are thinking right now, people are thinking, well, then you better go grab the Josh Allen guy. Because obviously, if, you know, they had it to do over again in Cleveland and with the Jets, remember the Jets had the number one pick and traded it. Well, that's the other thing is who's going to trade Chicago for this first pick. Because that's coming. Although, actually, no, my bad. The Jets gave up all those three second-round picks to move up to three. I'm sorry to to get Darnold. But, so, I mean, put it this way. Although, did you see what Fields said yesterday? Bears quarterback Justin Fields, did you see what he said yesterday? He said, you know, it's cold here. He goes, you know, it's not. It's not not easy to play here late in the season. It's the weather's miserable. Well, that's got to make you feel good if you're a Bears fan, right? <laughs> Your quarterback complaining about the weather. He's not wrong. <laughs> no, not, not at say all. It, but he's not wrong, right? I mean, you understand if a season ticket holder says it, you know, sitting at Soldier Field late in the season. Maybe that was just a question about the Arlington Heights and the fact that he's going to get a retractable <laughs> roof, David. You don't know what the context of that was. That's not happening soon, though. It's not happening soon. But, I mean, put it this way, Mark, and you and I respect general managers, head coaches, players who have onions. We do. We respect them. You got the onions if you're Houston? Go Anthony Richardson at two? Look it. I'll go on record that he's not going to be a good quarterback, that he's going to be a bust. Bust. Yes. I wouldn't touch him. We're drafting him because he's fast and he can throw the ball far. We've seen this before. So so there's really no reason for me to go down this list. (laughs) I'm not touching him. Okay. I'll tell you what. Just... You want to know the big indicator, just just quickly, you want to know the biggest indicator of why I think, you know, here's a telltale sign. And I know... They're not the same old. Yeah, they are. Who is the team that you've seen most linked to Richardson? Well, two, three weeks ago, the team that was linked to him was Detroit. Right. But they were linked with their second first-round pick at 18. Okay, now the talk is he ain't leaving the top 10 and – If you're Indianapolis at four, the guy who just got the head coaching job there is the guy who helped develop Jalen Hurts. 
So do you think he'll see Anthony Richardson in real life and on tape and think, well, hell, this guy's three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier? Well, unless they have a lot of practice tape, I want to see where all the tape they're going to get on this kid is. Because he played a handful of games and there wasn't much on those games that says, whoa! Well, there's the one run against LSU in which he, you know, he looked like Cam Newton. Uh, I will say this. He played well at Tennessee. He did. And he had to play the whole second half from behind, and he hung in there throwing the ball. If, if I'll say this, Mark. If I were to try to change your mind on Richardson, besides, you know, the one Cam Newton highlight, which, fine, we've all seen it's it. a We know he can run incredibly right. well. I'm right. not worried about that. You don't have to show me a run. But I would show you the second half at Tennessee and say – there's potential here. Okay. He hung in there. They had to throw the ball, blah, blah, blah. You know, he actually did a good job. He let them back. They lost by five. And I hate predicting bust. I want all these guys to be successful. I don't want any player to be a bust. I, I truly don't. I, I don't even like saying that, but I wouldn't touch this guy. I don't think he's good enough to play in the National Football League as a quarterback. Carolina at nine, Tennessee at 11. They've already got hell, their project quarterback. Tennessee doesn't need another project quarterback. Hell, what if Houston passes on a quarterback at two and now they're sitting there at 12? See, that, to, I will say, listen, Richardson scares me beyond belief because I am I think he's total boomer bust. And I'm with you. I think he could be out of the league in three years that he could be such a bust. But with that said, if you feel like you have an extra first-round pick and you can just roll the proverbial dice, you know, it's kind of like you're you're at the table and you have a million dollars. And it's like, listen, you could just take the million and go home. Okay, or here's the one roll of the dice, okay, and you could hit one of those things in the middle at eight and 12 to one. So what do you do? Do you take the million and go home? I mean, this is all, let's make a deal. I mean, here I'm giving you a year supply of rice a or do you want to see what's behind door number two? Well, I mean, in this case, it's rice a I want to see what's behind door number two, but if it's the million dollars, I'm taking the money and I'm leaving. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. Because we also had, uh, when we were talking with Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network last hour, he mentioned that uh, it's a really good class of running backs. You can get a running back day two, day three, that could step right in and play for you. But there is the kid from Texas that everybody says, oh, this is one of the 10, 12 best players in the draft, maybe even higher, Deshaun Robinson. If you're Tampa at 19, because he's not going to get taken in the top 10. He's a running back. There's there's too much of a stigma against it. I mean, you know, there's a chance for Philly at 10, but probably not. They need a corner more than they need a running back. Besides, their quarterback does enough running. And now you start to look at the teams, Mark. If ten, Tennessee's not going to take them, if Houston doesn't take Robinson at 12, well, the Jets have two running backs. 
Patriots aren't going to take a running back that high. Green Bay, heck, they're cutting Aaron Jones in all likelihood. They got the kid from BC, okay, who they're going to keep and just find somebody to compliment right. him. Washington's already got a tailback. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh drafted theirs in the first round. People have got Robinson at, circled with Detroit at 18. Okay, that they think he can fall to Detroit at 18. Boy, Detroit, well, I'd be shocked if they took a running back. Well, I would too. I would, if I was Detroit, I'd go defense, 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 defense. And then I'd actually take a look at some offensive players on my board. But if you're Tampa Bay at 19, think about who the head coach is. Think about who their new offensive coordinator is, who they just brought in, the quarterback's coach in Seattle. Type of offense they've run there the last couple of years. If they're going with Kyle Trask, what are they going to want to do? Slow the games down, make them shorter, run the ball 50-plus percent of the time. I mean, would you draft – if he's clear, if he's a top-10 player on your board, but he's a running back, and he's there at 19 in your Tampa Bay with all the needs that you have, including at running back, you got one that you like. I probably would not, simply because I don't think a running back's worth taking in the first round. I think you can, you know, particularly if there's depth, you can find someone day two, day three from a running back standpoint. I wouldn't do it. I I agree with what Ian said. I'm looking at a Philadelphia. I'm looking at a team that's good. Buffalo at 28. That That's where I would say, okay, we need a running back. I can't keep doing this with Josh Allen. Well, and, you know, you're on to something. I mean, there are some people that have done mock drafts already and think he could fall all the way to the Cowboys at 26. Because if he gets past Tampa at 19, well, Seattle's not going to take him. Chargers, Ravens, Vikings, I mean, unless they're cut and cook, they ain't taking him. All right. Jacksonville, well, heck, they spent a first rounder on ATN a couple years ago. The Giants... I mean, maybe if they don't bring Barkley back, that's a possibility, but otherwise, no way. You know, the Cowboys, are they going to move on from Zeke, or are they going to severely restructure from Zeke? If they keep him restructured, they ain't drafting a running back. Buffalo at 27. But he is going to be on most, from what the people who do this for a living, what they're saying now, He's going to be on people's top 10, at worst, top 12 on their board. All of a sudden, he's available at 19, 27. And think about it. We've done this long enough. You guys pay attention. You listen to the show. There are typically 18 to 20 players who have first-round grades. When you're at the back half of the first end, you're not typically getting someone with a first-round grade. This is a first-round grade that will go very late in the first round. I could definitely see Buffalo doing it. If you're the Bengals, one spot behind the Bills. Now, the Bengals never make a draft day trade, ever, to move up or down. They have just historically, they stay pat, and they just take whoever they want to take. But if you're the Bengals and he starts getting close to you, you pick up the phone, you call somebody, you move up a few spots, you move on from Joe Mixon. 
Just a thought. I'm telling you, I, he's he's going to be a player who's going to drop because the whole, ah, you don't have to take a running back. I mean, look at the Chiefs. They're leading Russia in the Super Bowl. It was the seventh-round pick. Never seen a position get so devalued so quickly than running back has in the National Football League. It is just amazing that it was the most important position in the sport not too long ago. And now if you take a running back in the first round, you're making a moronic move in the draft. And yet I can argue that if you take him in the first round, you get the fifth year as an option. All right. But and then you could, if you wanted, play the tag game. And by then you think his career's over. I mean, think about it. You could oh, seven years. How many people want a running back after a seventh year? I mean, that's the territory Derrick Henry's now entering. By the way, he was, I believe, in the he won the twenty fifteen Heisman. So Derrick Henry's just finished his seventh year in the league. And one, and, you know, Pat comes on our show every week and says you can't keep running the ball that much with Derrick Henry. You're going to run out of gas. <laughs> this is starting to, this is starting to be enough. So so yeah, it's early. You know, we're nine, ten weeks out. We get it. But you know, Ian Cummings to us made some news. He's like, I I think I'd have Richardson as my QB one. I'm sorry. Excuse me, what'd you say? Out loud into a microphone. Right. You do know two of the other three played in the SEC. I I mean you know, this is like when they took Trubisky instead of Deshaun Watson. We're like, hold on a second. You do know they played in the same conference, right? And the one guy wasn't in the area code of the other. What are you guys doing? One guy could barely get on the field. Right, he played one year. I mean, this really could be Trubisky, Deshaun Watson all over again. The team that takes Anthony Richardson instead of taking Levis or Price Young. <laughs> it's like, wait, What? I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to make that pick. I couldn't justify it and somebody will. This will be the talk of the draft. Miller and Moulton, Lake City, Port Charlotte, Tampa St. Pete. We'll do it again tomorrow at 6. Carl Semesco is next, the FTC women's coach in the bonus hour.